Our text will be taken from Ephesians chapter 4, and we will reread just the first verse, Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. You know, the Word of God gives many metaphors that describe the Christian life. Sometimes it's referred to as a race or a fight or a cause, but many times it's referred to as a walk. And so we will consider what the Christian walk is, what that looks like. And if you're not on that walk yet, or if you haven't began, hopefully by the time you leave, you'll know how to start and you'll make that choice to begin this morning. You know, the Word of God in many different places also lets us know there are two ways to walk. There is a right way and a wrong way to walk. It also lets us know that there are two pathways in life that we can choose from. And depending on how you choose to walk, that will determine the pathway that you choose to take. But Jesus here gives us a description of those two pathways in the book of Matthew. Chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus describes these two different pathways. He says, There enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Talks about a broad way. That leads to destruction. Many, many, many are on that broad way. You know, on this broad way, there's a lot of different choices you can make. There's a lot of different paths on this broad way that leads to destruction. You know, we live in a world and a culture where they will tell you, it's all about you. You determine your path. You choose the way that you should take. Uh, it's all up to you. It's how you self-identify. Whatever you think is best for you, nothing should be able to dictate that choice. That should be your choice and yours alone, even if that choice would contradict biology, nature, science, your DNA, even what God says. You should be the one to choose your path. And I'll tell you, there's many different paths that you can choose on this broad way. I met a man a few years ago, and he told me, he says, you know what, it's not so important what you believe or who you follow or what religion you are. Uh, that shouldn't really matter at all. He said, the most important thing is that you're sincere in what you believe. Well, that's a path you can choose to take on this broad way. You can believe that sincerely, but you will be sincerely wrong. The Word of God tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but then of that way, man's way is death. It says the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. That old saying, all roads lead to the same place. Well, it's absolutely true on this Broadway. Jesus tells us this Broadway leads to destruction. And it mentions this narrow way. It says it leads to life. Of course, Jesus here was referring to eternal life. Someday of having a life in heaven with the Lord himself for all eternity. 
It's a narrow way. Unlike this broad way, you don't have a whole bunch of choices. You have one choice. You can't have eternal life except through Jesus Christ, God's Son. If you want to walk that narrow way, you have to do it through Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said there's no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. So we see there's two different pathways. It says this way is narrow, and few there be that find it. You know what? It isn't because it is not accessible. It's accessible to everyone. The Bible says it's for the whosoever will. It's not even that hard to find. It's not like some obscure little path somewhere that you have to search for. The problem is, is that Jesus said it's narrow. And that is why so many people choose this broad way. They think somehow the gospel way is uh, too inclusive or it's somehow uh, not broad enough or wide enough and restrictive. So they're fooled into thinking that because the broad way offers all of these different choices and varieties that somehow they'll enjoy all of this freedom only to find out. They've been blinded by the God of this world and they realize People in the world, as they search to find this freedom, and the more they try, the, the more they realize that they actually end up being in bondage. And it leads to heartache and despair. It leads to destruction. One path leads to destruction. The other leads to eternal life. Every one of us is on one of two paths. We all start out on the wrong path, unfortunately. Psalm 51.5 says, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So I guess you could even say through no fault of our own, we start out on this broad way. You know, and we consider this wide path of this broad way, this path that leads to destruction. We can consider three groups of people. There are those that are on this path in ignorance. There are those that are on this path willingly. Then there are those that were once on this path, but now they're on the right path. Well, those that walk on this path in ignorance, it's because they simply don't know any better. They know life isn't bringing them fulfillment or satisfaction, but many times they don't really know why. And before the light of the gospel comes their way. They're in ignorance. You know, Paul the Apostle was one of those types of people. He wasn't always Paul the Apostle. We know he was Saul of Tarsus, and he used to go around doing terrible things to the church, wanted to stamp out Christianity. And he described himself in 1 Timothy 1.13. He describes himself as a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, meaning he would cause great injury and harm. He says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Of course, we know Paul's story on the way to Damascus there. He had an experience with the Lord in the light of the gospel, shown across his pathway, knocked him to the ground, and Jesus spoke to him. And at that point, Paul surrendered his life to Christ, and the whole course of his life changed. He was no longer in ignorance. He couldn't use ignorance as an excuse any longer. Well, some are on this pathway willingly. They may start out in ignorance, but when the light of the gospel 
comes their way, if they continue on that path, they're no longer in ignorance. They're on that path willingly and knowingly. It's like a man driving down the road and he sees a sign, bridge out ahead, danger, do not enter. And he keeps barreling down uh, that road. That's kind of like the man who knows he's walking on this broad way. He's walking in unrighteousness, yet he continues to do so. You know, we start out as sinners by birth, but we remain sinners by choice. When the light shines on our pathway, we have a choice to make. But I love the accounts of those who were once on the wrong path, but now they're walking on the right pathway. It tells us in Ephesians 5.8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ye were sometimes darkness. That denotes uh, the world and sin. And the light, of course, denotes the gospel and God's word and salvation. I love testimonies of those who were put on that right path. I thought of one I've been reading recently by a man who for many years was known as Drunken Charlie. And he tells, I'll just give a few excerpts of his testimony here. He said for 33 long years he was bound by alcohol. By the time he was 16, he was a drunk By the time he was 21, he was a criminal, had to leave his native land of Norway because of the embarrassment and left his wife and two boys behind, came to America thinking he could find a new path and start out maybe in a different direction. When he got here, he joined the army, but he ended up uh, threatening an officer and he was thrown into prison, Alcatraz prison, spent time in solitary confinement. He said, but none of these things made him a decent man. He hadn't had a drink of alcohol, and all the time he was incarcerated, he thought surely when he got out, he'd be delivered from that habit. But within six hours of being set free, he was given some money, and he found himself in the same old places he used to go, walking that same old road, nothing he could do about it. The appetite was just too great. He said, at nearly 50 years old, I was in the gutter much of the time and getting my food out of garbage cans. That's where this broad road led him to. One night in a saloon, my shirt and shoes were taken for whiskey and cocaine. Then a 250-pound saloon keeper kicked me through the door. says, as he landed on the muddy sidewalk with his bare feet, he heard some people singing, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And he said it was like a light came on for him. It was kind of like Paul on the road to Damascus. His light shone across his pathway and he felt hope. He thought, is that true? Could that possibly be? So he followed them down to their mission hall. He said he was so starved and weak, he stumbled and fell through the door. But as he sat in the back row, he heard people get up and testify about how the Lord had redeemed them, drunkards. He heard the gospel preached. And he said at the time the altar call was given, he rushed to the altar, hadn't cried in years, but he said he began to pour out his heart to the Lord, cried from the bottom of his heart, Lord, just save me, forgive me. In a moment of time, he says that old burden of sin was rolled off his shoulders. He was delivered instantly. That craving for alcohol was gone. He said, I have been kicked out of a saloon, thank God, right into the arms of Jesus. Pretty drastic way of getting off one path onto another one, but that's what it took for him. But you know, he said the next morning he woke up with no money, no job. 
But he said as he went down on the dock where we used to tire vessels, he says, when I got there, I went down on my knees praising God because I had walked the streets from one end to the other without a single desire for liquor. God cleaned him up in a moment of time. He was no longer walking that old pathway of sin. Of course, in time, God gave him a job. He became a respectable citizen. And after 10 years of corresponding with his wife, she finally came to America. And when she saw the incredible change that God had made in his life, she realized she needed that same salvation. She prayed. She was saved. It says, for many years later, he and his wife returned to Norway and he did missionary work until the Lord took him home at the age of 80. He wanted all to know that every vile habit was broken and he was redeemed. He never had to be known again as drunken Charlie. And that's the power of God to deliver, to get you off the wrong road, to put you on the right road. The power is available today. Of course, we know every walk begins with a starting point. Same thing with the Christian walk. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Paul likens it to dying with Christ and being raised again. And in Romans 6.4, he says, when that happens, we begin to walk in newness of life. Well, a walk can't be finished until it's started. You know, we have to have a point in our lives that we can look back to a reference point and say, that's when my walk began with the Lord. We just don't fall into this thing. It just doesn't happen over time. We have to have a definite experience with the Lord. We have to know of a time when we've confessed our sins and repented and we've been born again. That's the starting point for every Christian. That starting point may be different for many. I've heard of testimonies of those that were saved in their car. Those that were saved, I know at least one of the one that was saved in a state penitentiary. Those that have been saved by their bedsides. I know of those that have been saved while on an airplane. It doesn't really matter the physical location. What matters is what happens in your heart. You know, a Christian walk begins for all of us at the same place. That's the foot of the cross, and that's where it has to begin. We know sometimes, just like the physical walk, our spiritual walk takes effort. Let's face it, some days it's easier to get out of bed than others. It certainly is. We may have good days. We may have bad days, dark days, bright days, long days, short days. Sometimes it's easier than others. But that's why Luke thirteen twenty four tells us to strive to enter in at the straight gate. Paul says we need to forget those things that are behind. We need to continue to press forward to the things that are before us. You know, I've been thinking of Sister Dorothy a lot lately. I actually had the privilege of visiting her just about three days before she passed away. And as we were visiting, she began to reminisce about her life. She was 100 years old. And she said for over 80 years she had served the Lord. Walked with the Lord day in and day out. It wasn't always easy. You wouldn't know it by talking to Sister Dorothy. She she seemed like an angel. She really did. She was so sweet, but never complained. But she had some difficulties in her life. She went through some very deep and dark valleys in those 80 years. She outlived four of her children. 
outlived two husbands. She had some difficulties in her life. She shared with me one time after her first husband, Jim, had passed away. She said, I didn't know how I was going to survive. It felt like the whole bottom of her life dropped out. But somehow, Jesus was there. She just kept walking with the Lord. He gave her grace. And he brought her through. And you know what? She went on to her reward. That's how you do it. Day in and day out. Put one foot in front of the other. It also tells us, Psalm 101, verse 2 and 3, tells us we're to walk wisely. And with a perfect heart, it tells us, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. If I were to interview your spouse or your children, or if you were to interview my wife or my children, ask, how are they during the week? You know, hopefully the testimony would be that it was a consistent testimony. We need to walk with a perfect heart in front of our own family, in front of our own children, within our own house. We want to walk wisely and with a perfect heart. It tells us also in verse 3, it says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. You know, when we're walking, we need to be careful where we're looking. Your feet will follow your focus. We read about Lot, he says, as he pitched his tent towards Sodom. What happened? Every morning when he awoke, that's probably the first thing he saw. Well, eventually... His feet followed his focus. He ended up there in the middle of Sodom, took his whole family down there in the middle of that old cesspool. And it says that every day righteous Lot vexed his own soul with the conversation of the wicked. It just started because he started looking in the wrong direction. We want to be careful. That's a good idea to be looking where you're walking. It can be painful when you get distracted or you start to look around. I remember one time as a kid, I was with my mom. I think it was at a Fred Meyer's, and I had done something something wrong. I don't know what it was, but I had gotten scolded for it. And so we were walking out to go to the car, and I was very upset. So I was watching her to make sure she wasn't watching me. And as I was watching her, I was sticking my tongue out at her. I wasn't watching where I was going, and the next thing I know, I ran right into a big concrete pillar right there. It, and I realized right away, well, that was punishment. It was. And my mom wasn't very sympathetic about it either. But we want to make sure. We, we keep our eyes focused on the right things. We want to keep our eyes on the Lord. We want to make sure that when we're walking... We're not looking in a place we shouldn't. We want to keep our focus on the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. As Christians, we should be walking in good works. Now, we don't preach a works-based gospel. We're saved through faith and grace in Jesus Christ. But when we become partakers of that divine nature, there should be some good works that follow. We need to walk in good works. It says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I've heard it said, some people brighten the room the moment they enter it. Others brighten it up the minute they leave it. Well, what type of person are we? We want to be walking in good works. We want our lives to reflect the heart of Christ. 
Our actions should imitate Christ's actions. And we want to, of course, walk in faith and in humility, but in consistency. We must walk consistently with the Lord every day. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our uh, surroundings or our conditions. We want to have a consistent Christian walk with the Lord. In closing, Titus gives us some instructions. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Your Christian walk doesn't begin in the world to come. You must begin your Christian walk in this present world. You must be walking a life pleasing to the Lord in this present world. We must be walking righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. One day, we're all going to take our last step on earth. The next step we take will be in eternity. Where we spend eternity will be determined by the way we walk while we're here. There's an old song that Brother Ted Friesen wrote, there's no chance in eternity to change your destiny. Once we step out of this old world, the path that we've chosen to follow, the one who we've chosen to follow will determine where we spend eternity. But the good news is if you're on the wrong path this morning, I think of that bumper sticker. It says you head in the wrong direction. God allows U-turns. That's good news. God can get you off that uh, path of darkness, that wide path that leads to destruction. He can put you on that straight and narrow path this morning, that path that leads to eternal life. All it takes is one honest prayer from the depths of your heart, just like we read about there. We heard about uh, Brother Charlie. You just call out to the Lord. Surrender your life to Christ. Jesus Christ will come and He'll help you to walk in newness of life every day. We want to do that. And we know one day if we walk faithfully with the Lord, there's a good chance many of us could be raptured out of this old world. But regardless if we go by way of the grave or way of the rapture, if our lives are pleasing to the Lord, we're going to see Him someday. And you can have that hope in your heart this morning. These altars are open. Or you can drop to your knees where you are. Call on the name of the Lord today. The Lord will save you. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll encourage you for uh, the days that are ahead. Let's sing song 718. These altars are open.